Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host, and I am glad you're with me. This is the week after Easter, and I'm reading The Road to Emmaus, and I wasn't going to record anything for uh, today. And I'm, I'm putting some notes together and thinking about a, a, a series of presentations I'm doing in a number of parishes for teens and their parents together. And, and what got me here was the death of my brother. You heard that story before, that uh, that I really came to understand that Christ is really present in the, in the Eucharist, and that changed everything for me. And as I was reading today's gospel, uh, with this this would have been for Wednesday, uh, so I'm recording this on a Wednesday, and, and I'll get it out on Thursday. So it's from uh, Luke, uh, chapter 24, and it's the road to Emmaus. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, and two of his disciples are walking uh, toward this town of Emmaus, and Jesus comes up and appears to them. So, anyways, I I just love that, and I'm I'm thinking about that as I'm putting uh, some finishing touches on this presentation for for t- like I said, teens and their parents uh, over the next uh, week or a couple weeks, I guess. And I'll be mostly in the Midwest doing this in various parishes. But, anyways. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the insanity uh, of this world and, and these young people and they're growing up in this insanity. And, and you know, how, how do you express this to them? If they if do they know this or they don't know this, you know, I guess I'm going to find out. Some of them do, some of them don't, of course. But uh, I was just thinking this morning, my wife had uh, The View on. And why she watches The View, I don't know. She doesn't even like it. And she, she puts it on every once in a while. And so they were they were uh, talking about Walgreens. And Walgreens has uh, stopped um, selling the abortion, what we call the abortion pill, over the uh, uh, in Walgreens. In states, in red states, they call it, you know, where they're going to get some pushback from, they think, from uh, various legal uh, legal entities and blah, 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 blah. So anyways, uh, so Gavin Newsom out in California, which is a blue state, very, very, very blue, and Walgreens was not going to stop selling the, the abortion uh, pill there, but Gavin Newsom said he's going to pull a big contract from Walgreens um, because of because of their stance on this. And it just shows the rabbit, you know, this is a satanic movement of evil. And, you know, Satan doesn't have his own clay. He can only twist and distort that which God has created. God's the creator, and Satan is a creature. But he, but he can go in and twist and distort the clay. So there's nothing like going in and, 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 and killing the innocent child in, a, in its mother's womb. You know, this beautiful sign of the two, a man and a woman becoming one, open to life, is the inner, is the, uh, is really the inner, the expression of the inner life of the Trinity itself, of love itself. God is not a sexual being, but created our sexuality to be a sacramental or a visual sign of God's love in the world. And so if there is an enemy in the world, and there is, and he wants to twist and distort that, he's going to go after that baby in, in the mother's womb and, and also try to go after our sexuality, right, to get, a, get in between there. St. Lucia of Fatima said the last great battle between our Lord and Satan is going to be over marriage and the family, and we're seeing this today. And so as I'm reading that, and 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 to the degree that these people— are discussing this and and they're discussing it on the view these women mostly most of it just like it's a legal thing you know it's legal not legal blah 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 and nobody's really talking about the baby in the womb i mean this is how far we've gotten how dark our our minds have gotten and then as i'm reading a, a paper a local paper from our diocese we're in illinois and something um written there is talking about these new bills in Illinois and, and we're in the belly of the beast here right with uh, governor Pritzker he's he's you know rabidly a pro abort just like they are in California and um and so anyways this is bill 1909 
that uh, that's asking uh, pro-life centers. So these are like crisis pregnancy centers that help women if they're pregnant. And there are no-cost services they provide, like pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, uh, sexually uh, transmitted disease testing. They offer financial aid, material support, uh, family and parental education, post-abortion counseling, spiritual support, prayer, uh, for those that that have an unplanned uh, pregnancy. And so anyways, what Bill, Senate bill in Illinois, 1909, uh, would do, it, it will force these pro-life centers to refer women to abortions, abortion centers. And there'd be a law that, that when they come in that they have to refer them to abortion centers. Now, as if these women don't already know that Planned Parenthood and, and other abortion centers exist. I mean, do they not know this? Of course they know this, right? So they're, they're looking for help at a, at a crisis pregnancy center with their doubts and wondering what to do and is there any help and maybe we can save some children, which we do every day there. And so at the end of the day, this is how rabid this is. And now there's a there's a House Bill 3158 that would allow for deceased human remains to be used as fertilizer through human composting. I mean, this is in Illinois. This is a bill that's up right now. So we're going to eat uh, uh, plants and food that, that was composted, that was fertilized with human beings. I mean, can you imagine what this Satan has got to be just uh, jumping up and down for glee, right? We're going to murder this uh, unborn. Then we're going to steal the uh, the innocence of those that have made it through the womb, render them sterile with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and and, and then surgical mutilation. And uh, if pregnancy centers want to help anybody make it through the womb, they're going to have to offer abortion. And then we're going to consume our own human bodies as fertilizer. I mean, there's no meaning and purpose to any of this. And do these people not realize that time is ticking? Tick-tock, tick-tock. I mean, life is going. I mean, do they not feel their own hearts? I mean, human beings, this isn't like you just need information. You know, divine life and love is is in our DNA. We're created for that. You know, Carl Jung did, said that many years ago, looking back on his practice. He said, any patient, uh, I'm looking at the patients that came to me that were over 35 years old, and I realized that every single one of them came to me because they had lost their religious outlook on life. And he realized that he was not able to help one patient that did not gain their religious outlook on life. Look, at this is in our hearts, right? Uh, the catechism. This big book about everything Catholic starts uh, right off the bat. It's number 27, but basically everything before that is kind of explaining uh, what the catechism is about and what's going to happen. And then, you know, section one, paragraph one, a line one says it, it talks about desire, that this desire is in our hearts already. And, and we're seeking God. We're seeking transcendent. We're seeking a higher meaning and purpose. Otherwise, we're just like the animals. What's the difference between a human being and an animal is that, that God blows, takes this clay, this biological material that everything's uh, uh, um, created with, and then he blows his spirit into us, and we become different than all the animals. We have reason and intellect, and reason and intellect does what? Reason searches for the truth. What is the truth of things? That little baby that everybody's talking about, legal ramifications, the reality is it's, it's a human being with a hundred, as soon as it explodes into being the single zygote, we call it the single cell, it's got a hundred percent of the human genome in it. And the structure that surrounds that is the only structure that can hold and contain this. And then every single cell in my body has, comes from that original material there. It's amazing the awe and wonder of, of how we develop. And these people just want to destroy it. It's amazing, 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 you know? The awe and wonder of what God does and the awe and wonder of what evil can do if we allow it to do that, right? 
And so I want to read The Road to Emmaus because that's the only way to get the sanity back. But before I do, let me just give you a couple quick thoughts here. You know, we're experiencing the destruction of our political, economic, social, and cultural institutions. And we see this. This is the goal of these neo-Marxists, right? Marxism is number one, it's atheist, right? It's it's atheist. It's throwing God out, and then it's going to attack marriage and the family. And this happens right from the very beginning. You know, we know it's oppressor versus oppressed, but in order to gain control, the Marxists knew very quickly that they were going to have to attack the church and take God out of the picture. And then the Imago Dei, the, the, um, the actual image bearers of God in the created world. And this is the attack we see on marriage and the family. So the destruction of the church and the family, which are the moral underpinnings to all these institutions, right? The political, the economic, the social, our cultural institutions, you know, they're all underpinned by, by uh, God and the family. And, and, and they are the ones that protect and build up these institutions, and they've been greatly compromised. And this is no accident. It is enough to try and rebuild our nation, right? You know, we look at our nation, what's happened just the last couple of years since the Biden administration has come in. It's amazing danger that we're in right now. And it's, and it's not enough to try to rebuild that nation without a liberation from sin. And this is what Jesus does. And this is why to, when you read Christ, you know, Christ didn't come in to conquer the world. He didn't come in to, to, to restore the Israelites, you know, the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, to a political uh, elite you know, he came in to liberate them from sin. That's what Jesus does. He comes to a limit uh, to liberate us from sin and death. When you reject him, the sin that I just uh, brought up just now will come into the world. But also death. Death comes in and, and it's physical death. But Jesus, you know, just like he, he came back from the dead, we are going to be raised and we're raised as if we are not raised, St. Paul would say, if we're not raised and Jesus was not raised from the dead, he would say, he says that our faith is, is in vain. But Jesus was raised from the dead and all of these our whole faith grew out of people seeing this eyewitness story, and we know that what Jesus has did to liberate us from sin. This was the whole thing that Jesus did, right? Our nation now, the United States, has been linked from the beginning to church and the family. This was our moral base. This is why our country became uh, so powerful and so beautiful. We took all the people in from all over the world. Finally, we're the most, uh, you know, we're the most homogenous, you know, most diverse culture in all of history, giving people more opportunity than ever in the history. Why? Because we built this on that foundation of, of marriage, of, of, of God in the family. And so it's a moral and religious people. That's, uh, that's what we hear from the founders of um, like John Adams and Madison. They said, you know, you know, democracy is built on a moral and religious people. If you take that out, it will crumble. And that's what we're seeing today. So a decisive, John Paul will talk about a decisive rebellious man, meaning those who make a commitment to God, who make a commitment to their heart, that man must now rebel and a commitment to follow his own heart, a heart liberated from sin, a heart liberated in union with his conscience, the voice of God within him. Only on this level can the human person affect a true, deep, and positive change in himself first, allow God, open up, this is our action, and allow God to go to work, and then we see this deep, positive change in ourselves, in our own hearts, and then we bring this out into the world. And that is the undeniable premise of contributing to change and improvement of all society. It all begins with the individual human heart. Uh, uh, Gavin Newsom and Pritzker of Illinois and Joe Biden, if must they have a transformation of the heart, there, there is no political person that's going to come save us. We all have to do this. And this is where we're going. These, these are not young people. 
you know, these are people that are just a banana, slipping on a banana peel away from the end, right? So, so hopefully, you know, and you wonder, is this reawakening of conscience and solidarity that John Paul speaks of so often, you know, his vision of a more just and fraternal structures in the world for a new civilization of solidarity and love he would talk about. But this always started with the individual human heart. And then Bishop Sheen would say this, only those who live by faith really know what's happening in the world. The great masses without faith are unconscious of the destructive processes going on because they have lost the vision of the heights from which they are fallen. He says, who's going to save the church? Who's going to save the world? It's not our bishops, not our priests and religious. It's up to us, the, the, the laity, because we have to have the mind, the eyes, the ears, and the heart to save the church and our nation. If we don't, it's not going to be saved. There are no heroes coming into the story. We are all, each, uh, each family, each marriage that's trying to stay together and bring up children and educate them in the faith— and in the reality of our country and what was based on and to be bring good into the world and bring the culture of life versus this culture of death we see around us, unless we all stand up to this in a mass movement of this rebellious mankind, you know, men and women that will rebel, rebel against what? Rebel against sin, rebel against this darkness, rebel against this death and move into Jesus Christ, right? So our mission uh, is to see that our priests act like priests, our bishops act like bishops, and our religious act like religious, and our politicians act in a religious and moral way. Our inherent human dignity is what separates us from the powers of evil. That has its foundation in the fact that we're eternal children of God. If you forget that, you will just come, your, your heart will unravel, You'll move toward evil. You'll start to look at why is abortion there? Abortion is there because why? Because we have to have sex. We have to have sex anytime, any place. We have lost the meaning of that. It becomes a gratification for us. No longer a a, a mago day, a sign of, of of life-giving love. In other words, I look at my wife and see her as not somebody to use or somebody to have just to, you know to to try to get an orgasm or pleasure with me but also to give my life to that person. And that person gives their life to me. And we're open to new life, right? The, the life that springs forth. That's a sacramental sign. That's a sacrament of marriage in the in the Catholic Church. And when the two become one, you know, in marital union, in the marital embrace, we're renewing our wedding vows and we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and the grace to come in. Now, obviously, these people don't believe this. And look what they're doing. They're just destroying anything that gets in their way. And some of these people are just rabid about this, you know? It's amazing. Bishop Sheen continued this, a nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. If a time ever comes when the religious Jews, the Protestants, and the Catholics ever have to suffer under a totalitarian state, which would deny them the right to worship God according to the light of their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them in Congress and because they abandoned the spiritual in the realm of the temporal. So it's decision time. You know, history teaches that, that each generation is confronted with a choice. They, we all stand, each generation, before that timeless tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in a sense, alongside Adam and Eve, who also decided. And we're standing at that tree. The question put to every generation and every individual is, do I use my intellect and reason to search for the truth and, and to build my life and the world around me on that eternal truth, which is God? You know, God is not a something. God is a somebody, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Or do I squander my freedom and then choose so my free will, once it knows the truth, I choose the good of that truth. 
But instead, I choose to be, you know, this is from Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve were tempted. And, and, and Satan said to Eve, you know, you will not die. You will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. Oh, my gosh. And isn't that what's going on right now? So this crisis of our time is, is yet to be faced squarely. It hasn't been, but we need to. People are standing up and doing it, but the crisis continues in Western societies wherein the awareness of God is diminished and the conscience is darkened. A practical materialism, right? We're just material here. We have no place we're going. We just put our heads down and we try to get through and suck as much pleasure as we can out of here, which, which God gives us plenty of pleasures. He wants us to enjoy this life, but enjoy it in truth and love and self-giving sacrifice, right? To, to want the good of others, not just for myself. So the practical materialism that we see today, right? We take God out, continues to subvert the strength of our true culture, which is a, a culture of, of life, giving love. And instead we have this culture of death, right? So this revolution is the one we want, one that's liberated from sin. Okay, let me read, to finish this up, let me read the road to Emmaus. It's so beautiful. So here's Jesus. Uh, he has two disciples that were that were walking away from Jerusalem and going to Emmaus. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named uh, Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. So that's a long way to walk and talk and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. That's, that's the sentence there, right? But he, but we, the two disciples, and, and all of the disciples that were following Jesus, had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So they, they still hoped that Jesus would reign as king in Israel and, and rescue them, from the nation and rescue their nation from Roman oppression. Well, their expectations aren't they are out of step with God's plan because he wants to free Israel and all of us from sin, from sin and death, not from political subjugation, right? And so so I go on. Yes, and besides all that is this is it's now the third day since this happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe all that the prophet had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He appeared, Jesus appeared to be going further. But they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, Did did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures? 
And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together and those that, who were there with them, who said, The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Wow, that's the Eucharist, huh? And you see that Eucharist just from this early, early, early time. You know, how beautiful, how powerful is that? This is what we need to do. We need to get going to prayer every day, sink below this crazy surface, get in touch with God, pray, and and allow him to fill up your heart with peace. You will know. Here's the thing. You know, this isn't about information. This is the very DNA. In order to walk into the story, in order to get out of this madness and, and, and really follow what our hearts are called for, sit in prayer. Read the scripture, sit in prayer, pray a rosary, and then don't forget to go to confession, be washed with the nuptial bath, and receive the Eucharist. You do that over and over again, and then finally just be kind to the next person that you see, and you continue to do that. You actually will, you're actually determining who you become with God. You become who you act. So in other words, if I see somebody on the street and I'm kind to them, if I see my wife downstairs and I smile at her, if I see my kids, you know, and, and right, you're giving of yourself, giving of yourself. And, and these movements are not difficult anymore because I'm filled with God. See, this is what you have to watch out for. Before you could be burnt out, you know, you get tired of giving, 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 but, you know, because you realize I can't give anymore because I don't have anymore to give. But when you go to the Eucharist, when you go into prayer, you're constantly be filled of the one on the cross who pours himself out. This is my body given to you, and you receive the Eucharist. And then you find, and you have to pay attention to this, you find that you can be a life-giving person. You can reign in this culture of death. You can be this rebellious man or woman who rises up and works with Christ to liberate the world from sin. Hey, God bless you. Great to be with you. Talk to you soon, everybody. Bye-bye. 